0: And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein. And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you will consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank you for emailing me your questions, which I'm going to answer in just a bit, and I want to say congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks for advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals after dispatching Philadelphia last night. Well, Turning back to Atlanta United, it was not good. For the second consecutive game, Atlanta United gave up a two-goal lead late to finish with a 2-2 draw against Philadelphia on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's four valuable points dropped by a team that at one point was difficult to even draw at home. Atlanta United manager Gabriel Hines said the team deserved more. The draw came with a team playing without striker Joseph Martinez, who was with a Venezuelan men's national team in the Copa America, and midfielder Emerson Hyndman, who was out for the season because of a right knee injury, Atlanta United's goals came from an on-goal caused by a header from Miles Robinson in the 58th minute, and then a header by Anton Walks in the 83rd minute. So both of the center backs contributed to the offense, which finished with just one expected goal, which I thought was a little bit low because the team had a season-high 20 shots. Philadelphia's goals came from Corey Burke one minute after Anton Walks, uh, after the defense kind of fell asleep, and a wonder strike by Jacob Glesnus in the 93rd minute, uh, like a 35-yard rocket because he wasn't picked up or closed down by anyone. Uh, I believe it was Jackson Conway who was supposed to have closed him down. Uh, Jackson got caught a little bit f- far of the field, didn't see Glesnus going by him. He started to move toward him, uh, but by then it was too late. I could be wrong, it may not have been Conway's guy, but I think it was. And he had made his MLS debut, so can be forgiven for being a little caught up in the moment. Two games ago, uh, well, this result actually was a lot like Atlanta United's previous game, three weeks ago against Nashville, in that the team gave up goals in the 80th and 83rd minute to go into the international break with two points dropped instead of 3-1. So two games ago, this team was 34-2-3 in franchise history when leading at home in the 75th minute. It's now 34-2-5. And perhaps more worrisome to the team supporters, which I wrote about and posted a story about, Atlanta United has had a lead in the second half of four of its six draws this year. Um, and it's also had a, had, a, had a lead... Uh, or at least a draw and a loss, and gave up a, gave up a result. Um, so th- this this isn't specific to Heinz. This team had issues with this last year, too, um, under Frank DeBoer, and we're going to get into some of that right now with your questions. The first question, is Heinz receiving softer treatment from media and supporters than Frank DeBoer? Players not speaking to the media post-match under DeBoer would trigger conversations on culture and locker room problems. This question is referring to a tweet I sent out last night. Uh, Just one player was made available via Zoom after the game. I was told that other players were asked and not so politely declined. Um, So kudos to Brooks London for having the, the guts and the professionalism to step up and answer questions, as he always has. I don't know if this is software treatment. This isn't, this isn't a Heinz decision. I think it is a reflection somewhat of Heinz's attitude toward the media and media obligations. Uh, I think it's a reflection of the result of the game and the fact that it's the second consecutive game that's happened. But still, you're pros, you're paid a lot. You should step up and talk to the media even for just a few minutes. It's not that difficult. The questions aren't that hard. Um... You're a grown person. You should do that. Next question. How would you assess Heinze's substitution strategy? Is that an area that can be improved to help in finishing games? The legs seemed heavy yesterday. So I went through the league games and looked this up. In those games, Heinze has used the five available subs twice in eight games. The first came on April 17th in the 0-0 draw in the Heat at Orlando and the other on May 1st when he had to make three injury subs at New England. Now, this is a little bit interesting because the team spent 10 days working on fitness during the break. I understand players getting tired. I'm not saying they should go 90 minutes. I don't understand why Heinze didn't use all five subs last night. I know he. it looked like he was going to bring in Mulraney earlier in the game than he did. And then he brought in Alan Franco, who's time with Atlanta United is just off to a disastrous start because it seems like every time he's on the field, they give up goals in bunches. Neither of the goals were his fault yesterday, directly his fault. Um, You could argue the first one, maybe, uh, because no one jumped on the shot after Guzan saved it but couldn't control it. But there's a lot of guys that are at fault for that. So I don't know why he doesn't use the five subs more. You think that To get some of these young guys some experience, he would put them in uh, just for a few minutes. But uh, he didn't. Next question from Andre, and this is a long question. And this is his opinion, not mine. I'm so done with Barco. I'm tired of people making excuses for him. I think we should just cut our losses with him if an offer comes similar to what happened with Pity even though he says, I think Pitti played better than Barco in his time. He reminds me, speaking of Barco, of Anthony Martial, clearly talented, but the IQ or footballing brain is just not there. He holds on to the ball too long, passes when he should shoot, and shoots when he should pass. I guess my question is, am I crazy for thinking the way I do? My answer, no, I don't think you're crazy for thinking the way you do. Here's Barco's stat line from last night. Four shots, zero on goal, one chance created, one key pass, which is the same thing. Uh, As has been the case many times, in my opinion, Barco either seems to make the wrong decision, alluding to what you said, on the counter, or if he makes the right decision, he makes the pass too late or too heavy for it to be useful. The angles get closed down or opened up too much, and the play dies. Um, It happened a few times last night. Once in the first half, Atlanta had a counter. Barco was motoring down the field. Brooks Lennon was to his right. Barco waited and waited and waited and finally hit the pass, but he hit it too hard, and Lennon couldn't get around the ball to hit a cross before the ball could roll out of bounds. Barco seemed aggravated with Lennon that he couldn't do it, but Barco's the one that hit the pass too late. In the second half, another counter, Barco waited and waited and waited and got too close to the goal before he made the pass. And the defenders then just had to take one little step to cover the angle and block the shot. And that is what happened. Um, it's a mystery to me why Barco seems to play so well when he goes off with Argentina and when he comes back to the club. I. I I don't know if it's a trust issue with teammates. I don't know if it's a tactics issue. I don't know what it is, but it happens fairly consistently. Um, There were times last night that Barco sat on the ball and just kind of dribbled around for no discernible reason. Um, There are times that when they get in the attacking third, he just steps on the ball and stands there. Moreno does the same thing, um, and play just dies. Defenders have time to regroup get their formation, find their man, and attack to die. I, I want to watch this game again whenever it's re-shown and count how many one-touch passes you see in the final third by Atlanta United because I bet passes going forward, I should say, or even sideways because I bet it's less than 10 uh, from that game. And you know part of that is Barco and, and Moreno and, and the other guys going forward. It's, it's a mystery to me. Noah says, please answer this one for us true fans. How bad, and you put bad in caps, do you have to be to give up a 2-0 lead with less than 10 minutes left in back-to-back games? Uh, well, it's not great. Um, it's not what anyone wanted. Um, you know, the Glusness goal, that was a wonder strike, but again, the uh, he wasn't closed down. Corey Burke, the team just kind of fell asleep on the rebound. Um So, yeah, it, it's, I, I can understand y'all's frustration. Adam says, Atlanta seems to struggle covering defensively when Lennon bombs forward. Who's failing to shift and why? Well, if Lennon goes forward, then the midfielder on that side, either Barco or Moreno, should either monitor the responsibility or it could be Abara or Sosa should be shifting over. Um, it just depends on the situation and the circumstances. Uh, Marco's defense, it, it was watching him yesterday wasn't great. Um, again, the effort wasn't there like it was earlier in the season when he was running around like a crazy person. Uh, another question for from Adam True or false, right now, Mulroney is better for Atlanta than Moreno. Uh, I don't know, but I can say this. I think Atlanta United's offense looks better when Moreno is in the middle of the field, in which case I would put Mulraney in over Barco on the wing. Uh, Mulraney will do the one-touch pass. He can beat people off the dribble, and he will put in a good cross. Last question from Adam. Why was that not ruled a penalty kick for Atlanta when Eric Lopez got cleaned out in the box? I asked uh, Heinze this question. He said he was told by Ted Uncle that it was reviewed by the video assistant referee, and viewed there was no foul. I find that laughable. He came in late. He hit the player. He didn't get the ball. Talking about Philadelphia's player Wagner. Um, That that should have been a penalty. Um, But, oh well. Nick says, How are so many people blaming Guzan for the late goals? On the first, he did his job by making the initial save, and it's the defense's job to help with the rebounds. And I'm not sure a single goalkeeper in the world saves the second. Thoughts? Nope. Anybody who's blaming Guzan for those goals, try being a goalie. Uh, Guzan did his job on the first one. Nobody uh, picked up the the loose ball. And on the second, yeah, uh, two goalies could have been in goal, and I don't think either are going to stop that shot. Will, similar to Nick, where would Atlanta be without Guzan? Atlanta United looked good on offense. How do you think Joseph would have impacted the game today? I think he probably would have done a better job on Lennon's first cross when that ball hit. It looked like it hit Kubo Torres right in the face, but it, on second look, it caught him like high on the chest right below the neck. Joseph might have gotten to that one uh, a little bit better. In Kubo's defense, that ball came right over the top of a defender, and I don't think he could see it. Um, anyway, David says... Why are we so determined to give up late equalizers? I don't think the team is determined to give up late equalizers. I think it's happened. Uh, I'm conflicted as a fan as to how I should feel. Should I be mad at a team that has lost only once in league play? Uh, you could be disappointed. I mean, well, you could feel what you want to feel, it's your emotions. Uh, I think disappointment is uh, a fair reaction, um, but not mad. I, I guess it just depends on how passionate you are. Bart, why did Heinze take off a ball winning midfielder and bring on a center back but left both Marino and Barco on? Okay, he took. He's, this is a question about taking Franco Ibarra off to put on Alan Franco. Uh, Heinze said uh, Franco Ibarra was tired. He Ibarra had a good game. He was playing well. He's playing hard. That's understandable. Um, taking him off and putting Franco on. I guess Barco and Moreno were left on for counterattacks, but I don't know why they would need another goal. Um, And then at some point, if you keep bringing on defenders, you're just going to clog everything up, and I think that's going to create more confusion than anything. I did like the idea of bringing Franco on as a third center back. It's a tactic that Heinze did once before uh, when he brought on George Campbell Uh, In that first game against al when Atlanta United was trying to protect that 1-0 lead late. It's one he hasn't used since, and I I haven't quite understood. He's used Sosa as a third CB, but not as a true third CB. And I'll have a thought about Sosa in just a second. Um, So I was glad to see that tactic brought back. Um, It's a shame it didn't result in the win. And In writing this story that I posted this morning about Atlanta United's second-half swoons, There is a constant of Sosa kind of losing his man. Um, Burke was his man on that first goal, I believe, and he didn't get there in time to close him down. He was wide open in the middle of the field. Uh, Or not Burke, uh, the guy who took the shot that Guzan saved. That guy was Sosa's man, I believe, Um, and Sosa was nowhere near him. Sosa has had an issue, particularly late in games, with – Losing his man or losing his defensive discipline. And that's just inexperience, um, I'm guessing. Uh, He talked about, Sosa did earlier this week, on trying to improve defensively. But uh, that was his guy on that first goal. And so I tweeted out last night that I wonder if Atlanta United might be better off flipping Sosa, who I think has more offensive instincts than Abara, and Abara, who I think has better defensive instincts than Sosa still use Sosa as that play starter, but let Abara be the guy to sit between the center backs and, and do the defensive dirty work. Um, I doubt you'll see that happen, but to me it makes sense. I'm going to check the Twitters one more time to see if we have any new questions, and if we don't, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, I don't see any more questions. I want to thank you all. I'm sorry I haven't done a podcast in a while, but Atlanta United hasn't played any games in a while. Uh, this was the first one. Then they play NYCFC Wednesday, the Red Bulls uh, next uh, Sunday, um, and the games come fast and furious over the next few weeks. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you enjoyed last night's summer solstice, the longest day of the year, uh, or the longest day with daylight of the year. Um, I hope your family's doing well. I hope you had a good Father's Day. Uh, please tell your friends about the podcast. Please consider subscribing to the Atlanta journal Constitution. Gonna have a lot of Hawks coverage coming up, and it it's all gonna be great by our talented Sarah Spencer and our fantastic columnists. Uh, please uh, uh, enjoy the content provided by the other guys who cover Atlanta United. Um, they laughed a little bit last night when I got fairly aggravated that we only got one player after the game. Uh, but you know, those are the guys at Semper United, and Dirty South Soccer, and and uh, work done by Marcel and. Uh, 9029 and and Jason and John and and those guys, please enjoy their content, pay for it, subscribe to it. And this is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.